do over. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. This is, of course, the Gnarly Gnome, your guide through craft beer nirvana, or uh, your guide tonight through New England IPA madness, extravaganza, whatever uh, whatever we're calling this. It's um, We've got a lot of beer to drink tonight. This is... <laughs> This is going to be interesting. So anybody who is live, you can see my guest tonight, Craft Beer Joe. Um, if you're not live, you can hear my guest tonight, Craft Beer Joe. Joe. Yeah, I'm welcome. Here. Thanks for uh, having thanks, me. Thanks for coming. Th- welcome to the Gnarly Gnome Tavern. I think this is probably the first time that it's been featured on a, a live stream video so people can see exactly where I hole up every night and drink and um, piss people off. Uh, it's famous now. It's on the internet. That's right. It actually exists if it's on the internet. So we've got a whole lineup of New England IPAs here, most of them from Listerman, but we also grabbed some sub raw from Streetside. This show is probably posting after the can release for sub raw. So um, I hope you guys got your cans because you're going to be want to after we talk about it tonight and after you hear how good it is. Uh, I guess before we start drinking, though, we need to talk about what a New England IPA is for anybody. Well, you know, let's just dig into one. That's, you know, we, that's the way we do the show. We we always start it kind of the same way, and it's... From the beer fridge. It's my favorite segment. It's why I do the show. <laughs> it's an excuse to drink beer. Um, what should we dig into first? What, what sounds good? We've got Sub Raw. We have um, the two latest cans from Listerman, the 99 Problems, but a beer ain't one. Tricky. And then we have the two from last month, which is Brewer's Delight and No Sleep Till Norwood. We should probably start at the beginning and go back to the older That's a good New idea. England and IPAs and then work our way to the most recent. And the interesting part for me is just going to, I mean, these are not old by any means, but part of the thing that I think people get excited about with New England IPAs is the freshness and the, you know, that the, some of those hops will kind of drop out. So I'm curious to see if that happened with these. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that will tell you you have to drink these within the first week to uh, make sure they're fresh. And obviously that's a little crazy, but uh, fresh is better. Well, I mean, it's it just changes it. You know, with, with there are a couple IPAs that I've had that have a little bit of age on them that really aren't, not that they're, not that they're better, not that they're worse. They're just different. You know, some of those hops do drop out. Some of those flavors change. You know, what the flavors that you get are just different. You get a little more caramel, a little more things like that that sometimes can get hidden at the beginning. Okay, so No Sleep Till Norwood. Um, it's obviously East Coast. Um, let me pull up my notes here and I can tell you what's in it. We have Galaxy, Falconer's Flight, Mochuica. Um, You know, one of the staples of New England IPAs is that fruity hop flavor and i think those are all here take this one (laughs) can't do two things at the same time um those are all hops that have fantastic fruit notes to them you know a lot of that uh a lot of that tropical a lot of that um kind of uh a lot of 
berries, a lot of melon, a lot of things like that. So, um, so let's start with uh, with that one with no sleep. It's and what's fun too is with this series that that Listerman's doing of all these different ones, you get so many different varieties of what this means to be a, a, a New England IPA. You get different colors, as I don't know if people can see that or not, but different colors, different aromas, different flavors, and you get to see them next to each other. It's kind of fun, kind of a neat little experiment. Yeah, it's really interesting. The uh, No Sleep Till Norwood, I think, got a little bit of uh, criticism because of the color. It's more of the amber color. It isn't that orange color that you would uh, maybe expect to see out of a New England well, IPA. So it's 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 definitely different, especially holding these two up. Well, and the, and and the Brewer's Delight them. does have pineapple in it. We should you know mention that too. And that's you know the whole adding fruit to make something a little hazier. I think is is one of those things that drives people crazy about New England IPAs. But I guess if you release this next to one that doesn't have fruit, I guess you can get away with it. Now let's dig in. So yeah, definitely that nice uh, tropical fruit aroma. I, it it might have cleared up a little bit after sitting for a few weeks. Yeah, I think it has. But the aroma is still there. Flavor's definitely still there. Um, one of the big, and probably getting ahead of ourselves here with this, but one of the things that I love most about these East Coast, New England, Northeast, whatever you want to call them, IPAs, is that that mouthfeel, that soft kind of, it's not that bracing, bitter kind of, um, it's not super clean and then super bitter as far as the flavor goes. And that's still definitely there. It kind of, it's 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 well-rounded. It gives you that juicy kind of burst of, of hoppiness instead of that punch to the palate, I guess. Yeah, you don't get those harsh uh, hop bitterness that you would get out of a, a West Coast IPA, that's for sure. There's no piney hop flavor in it it's all fruit forward oh yeah and these you know when we say that these aren't as fresh as they could be these are from what march 11th something like that it's really not old just no, a people a few weeks but they're killer yeah they're holding up very well radio silence as we drink sorry okay i'm gonna go ahead and do the um brewer's delight too and as you take a look at that, is it correct that the No Sleep Till Norwood uses the same malt? I do not know that. As I, their, um, they have another one with uh, Norwood in it. I forget the name of the beer. Um, it's their oh, pale the, ale. The, um, uh, don't talk shit about Norwood. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Sorry, sorry about the thunder in the background, people. We were recording this on a not-so-nice day. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I heard that they use the same malts in this one that they used in that one to kind of tie those two beers together so i you know i vaguely remember something about that and yeah. um uh, if my google skills were better i would get on right now and just try to find <laughs> that but um i do think you're right i think it's it's the same beer just hopped differently mm -hmm. so the brewer's delight is next up and like you said it does have pineapple in it and you can really oh yeah you can tell that right away well i you know i almost think that some of that pineapple i don't it's not as, and again, this, it's been a month since I drank it. Um, I, when I, what I remember from it before was that real big pineapple flavor. And again, I don't know if it's after drinking the other one and then going to this, but I don't get as much 
it's still there, but I don't get it like as in your face. I get a little bit more of those hoppy, the, the, the hops, the, the Citra and Galaxy that are in it. Sorry, bourbon. Um, the dog is now scratching at the door too, trying to get in. There's going to be all kinds of sounds on this. <laughs> I think your dog wants some beer. I think my dog is afraid that there's some weird person in the house and she needs to come defend it. <laughs> yeah, I get the pineapple and the aroma more than the flavor, so... Yeah, but I would I would expect the fruit flavors to be some of the first to go in a beer like this as well. well. And, and it's interesting to me because I you know I've never really experimented at all with New England IPAs and trying to figure out how those flavors kind of drop out because of how they load all those hops in at the dry hop. I don't know if they drop out quicker than they would in a different beer with all that stuff thrown in at the bittering stage and the the flavor stage. I, I, who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean it's and most people don't because. A, they, there's not a lot of them out there, so most people drink them as soon as they get them. Oh, yeah, they don't, They're not going to hold on to them. They don't even make it to shelf. All right, so we'll just kind of extend from the beer fridge for, for the, kind of the whole show and just kind of work our way through them as we go because, um, you know, we should kind of talk about the beer a little bit and try to figure out, first off, what what is a New England IPA, a Northeast IPA? What, what, which name do you call it? <laughs> so which name do you call it? So I call them New England IPAs, and I separate the New England IPA from even the East Coast IPA. Right. Um, they're all different variations, I guess, is when you break it down. But, yeah, I call them New England IPAs. Um, I've heard a few people call them Northeast IPAs. You know, so, I think people are still figuring out what to call them at this point. Well, and that's kind of what makes this whole thing fun is that it's it's a style that doesn't even really exist yet. You know, if you're you know, one of those BJCP nuts, it, it doesn't exist. Doesn't it's it, it barely fits into any other, you know, BJCP category. It would probably lose every competition <laughs> because of those categories. Yes, it would. And yet it's probably the most popular thing happening right now. The most, you know, the most popular, I guess that's probably not the right word. The most talked about hyped, most the the excitement right now is these kind of beers. They don't typically make it into stores. You know, they are usually brewery only releases put in these Mm -hmm. cans, rolled out as quick as possible. You know, as soon as they go in the cans, they're headed out into, into people's hands and people are drinking them and trading them. And, um, I lost my train of thought where I was going with that, but you know, they're just, it's, this is the excitement in beer and yet it doesn't even exist yet. You know? So it's, it's kind of what makes it fun that, that, you know, that craft beer spirit of, of what it was about at one time of just this innovation and this just constantly pushing to try to do something different and weird. And it's cool. Yeah, it, it is really a lot of fun and you're right. You can't walk into even the best bottle shop right in the nation and ask for a new England IPA. They're, they're not going to have anything. Yeah, they're all brew released, and the ones that do hit shelves are going to sell almost immediately. So right. uh, they're hard to get, which I think helps drive that hype and the demand. Um, but there's a lot to it. It's not just hype. Absolutely, they're, they're, they're excellent. Well, usually, you know, I'm I'm sure that there are plenty of examples across the country. We've kind of lucked out around Cincinnati mm-hmm. here, but. I haven't had one that I haven't been happy with that I thought, oh, this, this is just somebody just dumping a bunch of flour in a beer just to make it hazy and, and calling it this and trying to jump on the hype. I, I haven't experienced that yet. I don't know that that's always going to be the case, but, um, you know, so far everybody's kept me pretty happy with it. You know, there's a ton of them going around right now. You've got obviously all the Listerman stuff. Street Side's done a few different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Woodburn has a couple that everybody raves about. Their, uh, their hammer, hammer, which they call a session IPA. And then their newest one was 
I think flock you or something like that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> then and uh, even I would say brink, right? You like, know, they're using uh, different oats and stuff in their right. beers to help give it that different mouth feel and, and trying to kind of experiment if they can produce something that would, uh, so, I mean, there, yeah. so there are a lot around. I, you know, I think that's as of right now. Well, then you've got, you know, the people up at, at Dogberry who have a massive triple IPA called three bagger, which it's not really a new England IPA. It's cause it's, it's a little more bracingly bitter, but you know, it's dry hopped all to hell that gives it that nice, you know, hop haziness that, mm-hmm. Um, lasts for quite a while too so it's i don't know there's there's a lot of fun stuff happening and um even though they're rare and they're hard to get a hold of there's enough of them right now you can you know you can go over to 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 woodburn and Streetside and get one on tap almost all the time right now and and brink and they're hard to get but not really so if you haven't had one try one um they started what heady topper i guess was the first quote unquote the first one, depending on who you ask. Um kind of where the, the New England northeast kind of name got started. Yeah, yeah, they're up there in Vermont and a lot of people credit them as being the first to really start the style. Uh and it and I don't know if you've had a chance to try it. It it is really good, but you can tell it is an early version of what these are. It's still it's still get some of that bracing bitterness, which was, you know, that's what they were going for at the time. They mm-hmm. wanted that, but that, that, that little bit of that mouth feel is there. And obviously it's, it's hazy when you pour it in a, in a glass, which they tell you not to do. So <laughs> you know, that is true. Whatever. Well, <laughs> if you tell me to drink it out of a can, I guess I will. But I guess I broke the rules. I had one can and I decided to pour it in a glass. So I did not get a rules. whole can. I've had one little sample glass of it at a bottle release mm-hmm. or a, actually one of the Listerman releases. I'm going to have to let the dog in. She's driving me nuts over there, scratching on the door. And nobody else can probably hear that except for us. <laughs> um, so what what makes the New England IPA? We've, we've kind of talked about this a little, you know, the, the haze, obviously, which is a whole other topic on itself. There's lots of ways that people yeah. are getting the haze. And, 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 the, and the haziness is probably the most controversial part of it because... It makes a lot it, of people mad, It makes too. them mad. <laughs> Some people love it. It makes it really recognizable from across the room. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that beer is different. But I hear a lot of uh, brewers kind of get upset about it because traditionally, you wanted clarity in the beer. You right. wanted something to be clear that showed that you knew what you were doing. If it was kind of a, a hazy mess, that meant it wasn't a good beer. Well, And, and head retention, ago. too. Head retention kind of... G- I think that that's tied into the haze a little bit in the mm-hmm. ways that the haze comes about. But I mean, if you look at this Brewer's Delight, there isn't really a big head on this beer. No, it's not that it's Discourse. not carbonated. Yeah, it, the carbonation's there. It just doesn't have that head retention because of all the stuff in that beer, you know. And there's something with the probably the the water treatment with it too. I don't, you know, who knows? But um, it's stuff that drives these traditional brewers, these people, this oh, it must be clear and it must have this head and it must have this and that and that's what makes an IPA and. Then you got these these you know new American brewers, not all of them are new, but you know that are coming around and saying no, we're going to do it this way because that's what we want to do. And yeah. people are like, all right, well yeah, I'll drink that too. And I think <laughs> that drives some people crazy. It does. I think also some of it is that new brewer mentality too, where some person that nobody knows comes into the the brewing scene and starts making a beer. And it becomes super popular, and some of these bigger breweries that are doing things super traditional, and you know, I think yeah. they might get a little mad about that too. Yeah. But and 
the business model of some of these companies is really different too. Uh, when you talk about Hetty Topper or um, out on the West Coast, Monkish is doing a lot of the New England right. IPAs, uh, Trillium on up in Boston. They don't sell beer in the traditional way. They're not using the three-tier right. distributor model. They're making beer, they're putting it in cans, and they're selling it direct to consumer. Well, and That isn't the way that beer has been sold for for decades, and, and, even and that's confusing <laughs> to a lot of these people. Flipping that locally, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to name names, but I've been in plenty of tap rooms where somebody will make a little snide, offhanded comment about Listerman and all of their hazy IPAs and their can releases, and it must piss people off if they're going to say that, you know, and I I don't know that they would admit it on the air, but (laughs) uh, you know, it's, it's different. It's not the way that you're supposed to do things. And that's what makes it so much fun. You know, that's, that's kind of that thing that gets people kind of excited about it and gets people um, to line up for it. You know, Mm -hmm. the lines in general, you know, there's not a lot of breweries that get massive lines for, for these releases anymore. Listerman has changed the release game in Cincinnati, and um, I think that pisses some people off oh, too. So, yeah. and you know, speaking bigger of you know the United States, I, I'm sure that that kind of plays in, in in cities all across the country. So that's why people are mad about it, I guess. I think so, and and I think everyone's trying to figure this style out. Uh, I think if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So it must not be easy. And I think that's a little frustrating for people oh, yeah. as well. So Listerman is doing a great job and they're getting people to line up and buy the beer right from them, right from the, the tap room. So it's exciting well, for them and maybe a little frustrating for everyone else. And, and Listerman's been kind of experimenting off and on with these for a while now. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely those, some like, you know, Biggie, one of my favorite of the releases so far. They released it, I don't know how many months before, on draft only, and it did clear up after, you know, not very much time at all. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those hops dropped out. I don't know if they did something different on the new batch. I assume so, because I think um, ABV is a little bit different on the newer batch, so there has to be something different. But um, And it's it's some of those those qualities that hold on to that haze are definitely there in the newer ones. So people are still trying to figure it out and experiment and do their own thing. I'm sure if you went to, you know, Streetside, Woodburn, and Listerman, they're all doing something a little bit differently to try to get their beer to the place that it's, quote-unquote, supposed to be. Yeah. Which there isn't a place <laughs> it's supposed to be. Still <laughs> figuring that out, right? Everybody's figuring it out. So it's it's cool. It, um, it It's a weird style. It's a weird, weird kind of thing that nobody really understands yet. But I don't know. I, I like trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious... Um, I've I've heard a lot of people kind of complain about the the pricing thing too of of a can release where you're getting a, a four pack of sixteen ounce cans for you know what twenty ish dollars whatever it is and and you get people that complain about that but you know some of the barrel aged stuff nobody worries about that some of the the sour stuff nobody worries about that so I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to why some of these things are really getting under people's skin but yeah. I try not to figure out the beer pricing because none of it <laughs> makes sense in the end. That's, that's really um, true. I would assume, though, that their effort and the ingredients equal higher price. Uh, I know there was um, locally uh, here with Rheingeist. Mm-hmm. They've had Truth out for years. You can buy a six-pack for nine ninety nine, And then they come out with the new one, Knowledge, which is an Imperial. Right. And it's... Uh, was it twelve ninety nine for a four pack? And a lot of people kind of push back on the price of that. Well, there's more hops in it. 
There's a lot more hops in it. More ingredients, and they're not pushing out the volume that they do with Truth. There, there's so many different reasons that the prices are what they are. I think Listerman's done a good job with their price point, so I don't have any issue with what they've done so far. Uh, but a lot of people are kind of raising their eyebrows a little bit on the price point for an IPA. And that's the whole thing is, well, an IPA shouldn't be this expensive. I'll pay $20 for a bottle of a barrel-aged stout, but I won't pay that for an IPA. So, right. They're yeah. just, it's Well, and I, I, don't, you know, I don't know, because maybe it is that these just, these aren't, you know, I guess people just don't know what to expect yet and don't don't know what the norm is there is no norm yet um so this is the tricky that we just poured and uh, this is not hazy there there is no haze here at all nope zero um so you did not make it down to this release day right i did not luckily i have a good friend that's going to be bringing me a few cans of it but i, I did not make it down yeah i've got to got to give a shout out to to my source for my cans since i didn't make it to the uh, release either. I don't know if he wants his name called because he wants people to quit bothering about <laughs> getting a can. So. <laughs> it's still there in the mouthfeel for sure. Yeah, very soft. But there, on the very back there, there is still some of that, that quick little bite of the hops. This is good. And yeah, this definitely has more bitterness there, than I would expect out of it, but not overpowering. Not harsh either. It's, it's it's very soft. I almost want like you know this whole series that Listerman's been doing. I want to just try them all next to each other because it really is like this. The whole thing's this big experiment in IPA and trying to find those lines and trying to find those those places. And it shows that whole range of what you know from from Pac, which was very West Coast, to you mm -hmm. know Biggie, which was very East Coast, and kind of everything in between. And this is one of those kind of in betweeners that just kind of sits somewhere. It's good. It's definitely not my favorite of them all, though. And I would think that what we're tasting, this one is the first one, I think, to have mosaic in it. Right, right, right. So I think that's probably what we're tasting in it. But it also had better head retention as well. It's kind of dissipated at this point, but initially had a decent amount of head on it. Let's look this one up and see if I've got any fun notes on it. No, not much at all. Galaxy Mosaic. <laughs> that's all I have written down for it. Um released on the 1st of, of April, which, again, we're time-traveling a little bit with the recording of this, so yeah. it's not as long ago as it might be when you're listening to it. It wasn't a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, this one, they did have a lot more than the next one we're going to try with the 99 Problems, which, from what I've heard, everybody's saying that one was better. So Yeah. Um, a lot of people are saying one of the best of the series so far, which, like I'm you were I'm saying... Excited to try. Biggie was one of your favorites so far. I thought Brass Monkey was really good, especially with the mango. They had the variation with the mango, See, which liked, was excellent. I liked the regular versus the one with the, the junkie with the, with the mango. Um, but it's also hard to remember at this point that one compared to other ones because it was a few months back. Oh, this one's definitely easier. So, you know, people talk about the, the juiciness of... Um, the hops and the beer and it definitely you know it's it's there in the flavor it's there in the aroma but some of them it's definitely there in the appearance too <laughs> and this is one of those ones that just kind of looks like a glass of juice poured it really does it has really good color to it much better haze compared to the tricky there um does this one have fruit in it 
Not listed on the no. can. Because it's definitely very... Um, it, it, you could tell me it has pineapple in it, and I would believe it just by the aroma. The aroma, yeah. And we talk a lot about the bitterness, or lack of bitterness, in the New England style. And that really is, to me, one of the key factors is the, the lack of bitterness. It's, like I said, much softer mouthfeel, but yeah, you don't have that harsh bitterness that you would normally expect out of an IPA. Right. And this one, you know, especially... Again, it's fun when they release these side by side so different from each other because this one does, this one's way softer. It doesn't have that that, that kick that um, the uh, Tricky did. So it's fun sitting next to it and mm-hmm. showing those different sides of what this quote unquote New England IPA yeah. is. And with the lack of bitterness, what I've enjoyed is I've got some friends that do not like IPAs. They're traditionally not a fan of the hot bitterness, so they've stayed away from them. This style has really opened their eyes to the fact that IPA doesn't have to be piney or bitter. It can be fruity. It can be soft. It can have that low bitter- bitterness level, which it, makes it really enjoyable. Well, it shows, you know, citra hops. I mean, there's we've all had these big citra bombs that are these big, bitter, fruity, you know, lots of grapefruit and those things, you know, the, you know, the, the, zombie dust pale ales that mm-hmm. you know have this very distinct flavor that you're used to from citra hops you put citra in a beer like this and it pulls this whole other side of that hop out and it, it's it's not this big mean bitter kind of beast it's 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 delicate if you know it's 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 fruity it's it's soft it's it's you know juicy it's it's weird things that you didn't know citra could do so it's fun to show that range of this hop that you thought you had figured out in your head. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the more popular citra beers probably in Cincinnati is Citra High by right. Mantry. And I love that beer, but it is, it's, it's more of a hop bomb. It's, right. it's kind of what you expect out of a, uh, a double IPA with cit- with a lot of citra in it. And this is not like that at all. It's a completely different beer, but it features the same hop. And I, I assume that, you know, a, a beer like this, if it was just Citra, would be using, you know, in, in you know, quantities obviously changed that more hops, more Citra hops than a Citra High would just because of where they're added. You know, you, you throw those hops in the beginning of the, the, the boil, you get those bitter flavors, and it doesn't take as much than at the end. You're just dumping all this in there on that dry hop and getting all those free flavors that... Um, this one has so it's it's, it's kind of weird to kind of flips the script on what you think hops do and where, where they where they fit and how they uh how they react to um time i guess if that makes sense yeah yeah it does <laughs> yeah you know i'm not a brewer i don't know if you've ever i think you've brewed a little bit a little bit here and there uh, but learning about this style really has opened my eyes up about the brewing process because you're right the tr- traditionally you throw the hops in during the boil and that's where you get all that bitterness from but when you're dry hopping at the end, you're getting a lot of the aroma, a lot of the flavor, but you're not getting that bitterness because it's not going through the boil process. So it would be fun to take the same kind of beer and, and just and do it a bunch of different ways. You know, throw them in there at the beginning and show that bitterness. Throw them in in the dry hop and make a sorry, I'm burping now. Um, that New England IPA out of that same beer and just have this release of, you know, four beers that are just these different types of the same beer, you know, yeah. and just to show people 
how those hops, you know, even the same hops, you know, just how they, where they're added in that time and how it, how it changes. I don't know if anybody's ever done anything like that. Um, It'd be fun. Same recipe, just different methodology to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, or, you know, dry hop differently or whatever that, that difference may be. Um, One thing that's really a lot of fun too, that's happening in my opinion, it started before the new England IPA, but it's really getting pushed even further is the breweries identifying what hops they are even using. Right. Because a lot of IPAs in the past, it was just such and such IPA. You drank it and you liked it or you didn't like right. it, but you didn't know what was in it. Now, calling out what hops are in it is really an important part of the process, an important part of the marketing, as craft beer fans are more knowledgeable than they were in the past. And they're starting to know, you know, they do like Citra and Galaxy, or maybe they don't like Mosaic, or maybe right. Mosaic's their favorite. And so when they see a beer release with the with their favorite hop in it they get excited about it so i like that trend that the breweries are much more upfront about what hops they're using because it's a marketing you know or especially you know you were talking earlier about people when they're starting out in their craft beer journey and saying i don't like this or i do like this to really understand why you do or don't like something and then to be able to to walk into a, a new brewery or a beer bar or whatever it is and identify things that you aren't going to like or you are going to like and then from there kind of start expanding you know, where you go with it. So it's, it's good for everybody in the end, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, to help us become better drinkers. So I'll take it. Yeah. You know, keep labeling cans, tell us everything <laughs> that's in it. So yes, let's take a quick break. Um, then we'll get to, uh, to the sub raw and we'll talk a little bit about what street sides doing this weekend and, and that kind of stuff and talk more about these hazy beasts of a beer that I'm, I'm falling in love with very quickly. We'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, 8 Ball, Braxton, and more. At just 5 bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest and harvester. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi fans, I'm going to tell you about the new apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast, Pasteur Screen Print. Mario Pasteur has built his family business with the craft beer movement in mind. They've done custom items for Old Firehouse, Listerman, and many more. Screen printing to embroidery, Pasteur Screen Print has the answers for your custom apparel and marketing needs. 
Contact Mario or any of the pros at Pasteur's Screen Print at 513-550-2271 by email at pasture.screenprint at gmail.com and coming soon at www.pasturescreenprint.com. The craft of custom apparel is Pasteur's Screen Print. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft from the Gnarly Gnome Tavern. I'm the Gnarly Gnome, joined by Craft Beer Joe. Is that what I call you, Craft Beer Joe? Do I just call you Joe? Or yeah, how's that can, work? Uh, either one. <laughs> I answer to both. Uh, yeah, you can call me Joe. Um, we're, we're knocking back some New England IPAs, some IPAs, some Imperial IPAs. I don't actually, I don't even know if I would consider these Imperial, but um, we're, we're drinking some beers. And we are now on to a different brewery after four from Listerman. Um, I really probably should have stopped it at Woodburn and grabbed some hammer and, uh, and their <laughs> flock so hard because I think they were both on this week. So, uh, my, my mistake, uh, we'll do it one of these days. That's anyway. right. Um, sub raw, the can release this weekend. Um, I know they're really excited about this at Streetside. I know there's a lot of people around town that are really excited about this. this a lot of excitement. One that hits a lot of people's favorite New England IPAs, um, their lists that they're making online and stuff. So I haven't had this for a while. I think it was um, early winter when I tried it before. Yeah, I've not had this one, so first time for me. Definitely a way different aroma than anything we've had from Listerman tonight. And I, I don't know if I know what hops are in Oh yeah, street side. I mean, street side's only been open for six months, maybe coming up on nine months. I know they're under yeah, a year still. Around. They're definitely so, still under a year. Uh, they're new, so hopefully everyone has gotten a chance to go out there because what they're doing is great out there. They have a great tap room, a great space. Um, Raspberry Beret is back on. That's a killer beer. So too. that's an amazing beer. That's reason enough to go out there, if not to go buy some cans of this. Well. It- and this one has a, a huge dry hop of Simcoe. Um, I don't know what else they use in it, but um, I don't think any of the Listerman stuff out of that whole thing has used Simcoe yet for yet. A, a New England IPA, which is, I guess, I don't know if that's a normal thing in other parts of the country, but you know, it's not that typical fruity kind of hop. Yeah, this is really different. Um, Simcoe, a lot of people use the word dank when they describe Simcoe. And you still get that. Again, you're not getting the bitterness. So the bitterness is much lower than what you would expect out of a Simcoe hopped beer. You still do get some fruit from, from it could be from the Simcoe. I don't, I don't know what other fruit flavors you're able to get out of that hop, but you get some, some grapefruity kind of stuff. That's what going I was on. Say. Yeah. Grapefruit. Definitely. I mean, the other ones you get in some mango or pineapple is what a lot of people think or can taste out of the other ones. This is more in the grapefruit, more citrusy side. Yeah, it's and again, it's it's fun showing those different ways that you can take what it this New England IPA and 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 pull different things out of it and kind of drop it into different places on that IPA spectrum. And this is definitely that American kind of you know bitterness, 
but used in a very different way that it comes off a little softer and a little mm -hmm. fruitier and um, still that mouthfeel is dead on for for what it quote unquote should be yeah this one is a little dry on the finish as well which is a little more uh what i say more traditional when it comes to an ipa a lot of people love a dry finish mm -hmm. in a beer because that's what kind of makes your mouth water and want more so it has a really nice finish to it a little bit of peaches too this it's, is really good yeah it's really this nice is really good uh, this one would be really fun for me with some kind of food. I don't know what exactly, but I feel like because of that that finish on it, it's not as uh, it it finishes a little cleaner for me, mm -hmm. I guess. So to me, it would it would be kind of fun when I'm eating. Yeah, it's not as uh, filling or as full of a finish. It, yeah, a little cleaner. Well, they're doing good stuff down there they're, at Street Side. They're doing great stuff, and they they have had a couple other. Um, New England IPAs that they've done. They've had, um, obviously, the Raspberry Beret is a huge hit. They have barrels stashed away that are, you know, working. We got a chance back in, um, who were there, December, I guess, for Brewcast to try the um, Barrel Aged Where's Barb, which mm. was pretty fresh in barrels. I think it was the first time that they had pulled a sample off of it, and it was phenomenal already. And, you know, I don't know when they're going to have that ready and how they're going to present it to people, if it's going to be in bottles or whatnot, but um, it, it's exciting to see a, such a young brewery do, trying to do really big things and trying to, you know, make a mark. And I know they've, they've mentioned that they want to do a Lambic and they want to do, they've got some, <laughs> some really big stuff that they want to do there. So um, it's going to be exciting to see not just their first anniversary, what they've got ready, but you know, the next couple of years where they kind of go with everything. Yeah, it's really fun to see the contrast because Listerman has been around for a very long time, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, one of the first in Cincinnati to do the whole craft beer thing. There were the homebrew shop, still are for everyone that homebrews in the area. Streetside, one of the newest breweries, but they're both diving into this style. And Streetside is impressive. They're coming out swinging for the fences. Oh, they're yeah. not afraid to kind of flex their muscle and... Uh, show that they can make great beer and, and do every style. No, to, to open your doors with a beer like Raspberry Beret, and I mean, that's, that's a big statement to make to people. One that you don't see from a lot of places, even the places that have opened after that. You know, it's, you start out fairly, you know, normal, I guess. Yeah. You want those, you want to get those normal core styles out there mm -hmm. and, and, and have enough beer coming out the door that you're not worried about running out of something. And street side just said, no, we're going to do this. And you know, if something runs out, then we'll have something else to replace it with. But we just, we know what we want to do and that's what we're doing. And uh, you got to give them credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say raspberry beret again, everyone has to try it at least oh, yeah. once. Um, where's Barb is uh, a great stout. Um, was really impressed with that, especially, and again, being new, you don't always expect that. You right. kind of expect, Oh, they're going to, put a Blondale and an Amber out and a Session IPA. And they're right. going to do all these standard styles. They didn't do that. They came out and kind of said, hey, we're going to make beer that we like to drink. And people responded really well to that because they're, they're busy every time I'm there. They had one called um, LOL, LOL, that was, I don't know, some stupid mistake that they made in the, in the brewing process and had to change a couple things and didn't turn out anywhere where it was supposed to, but it turned out fantastic. And they can never repeat it, but <laughs> they, you know, put it on tap and just kind of, you know, lull. Here it is. <laughs> and, and 
it's amazing, you know. So it's it's fun to see people that can kind of kind of poke a little fun and that's something like that too, and own up to it and turn it into something yeah. really good. So I'd love to know where they come up with their names because I know some of them. I mean, Sabra, I, I understand what they're going with there. The Where's Barb is a Stranger Things reference. Right. So there's they're a couple na- Stranger Things references. Their too. their naming conventions are a little bit different than what you see as well. They're again, they're doing what they like and they're having fun with it. They're not really trying to appease anyone. It's, it's all very kind of pop culture centered and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And um, when I stopped in the other day to pick this up and was talking to to Kathy, one of the uh, the owners there, one of the Hickey family. If you anybody's been there, you know the Hickey family. You've met them all and. Um, she gave me a hint at something really fun that's coming this summer. They're getting a mural on the side of their building. I hope I'm allowed to talk about this. If not, I'm sorry, guys. Um, mural on the side of the building, and it's all different kinds of. There's there, there's a lot of pop culture references, and there's Death Star that's going to be on there. Like, oh, just, wow. just some fun little that's things fun. like that, and um, kind of captures that personality of what Street Side is. Which, as much as I love what they've done with the building of Street Side. It's it doesn't show any of that personality. It it's right. it it looks like the neighborhood, which is part of who they are, but it doesn't show that that other side of of, of street side. So this is going to kind of give it that pop that I think it needs. So yeah, they're definitely uh, cool. I think reaching a a wide demographic, but doing the pop culture I think really embraces the fact that you know there is a young crowd that drinks craft oh, beer. Yeah. A lot of people think oh it's people in their mid thirties and up. Not at all. I mean you have people in their young early 20s and mid 20s that are really enjoying the craft beer scene and i think street side really talks to them with all these oh, yeah. pop culture references oh, yeah. so. it, you know it's it's not the super traditional you know big german kind of things that that people think of when they think of beer mm-hmm. especially here in cincinnati it's you know it's craft beer it's this whole other thing that we all know and we all understand but you don't always think about it when you think of beer and so it's it's fun to see them just say no this w- w- this is who we are and this is this is kind of not necessarily the crowd that we are speaking to but it is the crowd they're speaking to yeah. so it's it's fun to see them see them you know kind of be comfortable with that and kind of explore that with with lots of different things they do you know some of the names that they do are kind of you know I think my mom would sit there I don't understand that but <laughs> um, you know all of my friends would so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's neat there's I don't know what. What other stuff is happening here in, in, in town, you know, getting away from the whole New England IPA thing, you know, or with that, but, you know, what other stuff are you excited about? What There's there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. There's always a lot happening in Cincinnati for beer. Um, there was a, an article posted recently um, as far as the number of breweries that are in Cincinnati, and we're close to 40 now, so we're going to exceed 40 by the end of the year. Uh, so I would say my excitement is trying to keep up with all the new breweries and getting out to all of them. There's still a handful that I haven't been to yet, but there's a 13 Blow, there's a Sons of Toil, uh, Narrow Path, I guess, is officially open They're as They're officially of open now. St. <laughs> <Saint> Patrick's Day, <laughs> yes. was there official, unofficial? <laughs> um, there's one up in a Deerfield Township or the Mason area mm-hmm. that has been announced as well, so... There's there's a couple in in the Mason area. There's that sixteen lots. Oh, sixteen in, lots. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's closer to downtown Mason, and then more in the Deerfield Township area. You have the Saunders. Saunders. It's a little further away from them because they're going from the ground mm-hmm. up. So that's going to be a really neat place. It's going to be one of those big places that we thought maybe we wouldn't see a lot more of anymore. You know, we were kind of getting used to these little places opening up. You know, the 
the narrow paths and places like that. And so it's it's exciting to see somebody say, no, we, we want to do a brew pub. We want to do, you know, a big kind of destination place. So Yeah, that one really sounds inter- interesting. It sounds like it's going to be very family friendly. They're already talking about doing, you know, movies on Friday nights and right. having fire pits outside because they want to really embrace the neighborhood and the, the, the demographic that's in the Mason. Well, and that's, area, so that's fun. That's what's exciting to me too is is just capturing these different types of breweries. You know, they're for you know when when I was growing up, you know, a, a brewery meant one thing, mm-hmm. and then when I first started drinking craft beer, a brewery meant one thing, and now when you say brewery, it means fourteen different things. There's there's a tap room for everybody, and so it's exciting to see these different types of tap rooms open up in different parts of town, in different neighborhoods, and um, it, to see it not even close to being done and to see how many we have and how many are opening, like that's the stuff that gets me excited. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, fretboard, mm-hmm. which is a new name, I guess. They were going to be right. six-string. Now they're uh, Fretboard. They're going to be out in Blue Ash, and like you said, it, tap room for everyone. They're really focused in on the music side of things. Right. They're going to have studios where you can go there and bring your band and practice in a studio and it's also a brewery and tap room. I, right. So you're right. I mean, no matter what your passion in life is, if, I feel like beer is connected to it in one way or another. Well, it's, it's, if you look around, you just have to look around and find the right place for you. If you're, you know, young and single, old and single, or if you're old and married, or if you have kids, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. There right. is a place for you in Cincinnati where you can go and feel like you're part of a community, that you're part of something fun and exciting. And yeah, there's something for everyone. There really is. So. What was the last tap room you were at this week or last week or whenever it was? The last tap room that I was at would have been, I think it has to be Brink was the last one that I was in. Mm-hmm. It's about five minutes from my house, so I'm going to spend well, a lot of time there. There's And there's there's a lot to be said about that too, you know, mm-hmm. there, to, to, to have a tap room in your quote unquote neighborhood, you know, I, I live up here in Fairfield. There's there's This has been a dead spot for craft beer for a really long time. And to have places like, you know, municipal over in Hamilton mm-hmm. and Dogberry over in Westchester and Fibonacci over in Mount healthy and Brink over in college Hill, you know, these, all these places that are starting to be closer now and easier and become your, your, your home spot. You know, it's, it opens up craft beer to a whole nother thing that to be able to just swing in and grab a growler and then run home and, you know, be with your family or whatever it may be. Like mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that's a whole new thing that you didn't necessarily have before if you didn't have a place, if you didn't live in over the yeah, Rhine. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's true. It really is true. And, you know, I'm kind of on the West side of town and we're still a little light on breweries, but it, it is expanding. And, and I truly believe in the neighborhood brewery. I think that's why I like bring so much. That's why, Honestly, I like Streetside and Listerman. Yeah, we need the big places. Right. Mad Tree and Rheingeist and Rivertown have these big facilities, and they're impressive, and they're a lot of fun to go to. But we also need these smaller ones that fill in all the gaps. So when I want to just yeah pop in somewhere on a Saturday afternoon while running errands with my family, you know, I can pop in and have a flight of beer, kind of hang out for a little bit, feel like I'm, I'm part of something, and then go about my day. And, and it wasn't a big right. deal. It was just going there and enjoying what the brewery and tap room has to offer. And um, these smaller places really fill out that gap really well. Right. And it, you know, to, to have, to have that option, you know, if it's one of those weekends where you want to go out, you want to take your friends somewhere, you got somebody in from out of town and they, Oh, show me what, what beer is like in Cincinnati. You can go to the Ryan or you can go to the mad tree and be like, look at this, you know, <laughs> look what, 
look what Cincinnati has built, you know? Yes, yes. And, like, and then if you, you know, are winding down your night and say, oh, let's just make one more stop, and you walk into, you know, Brink and kind of have that more low-key thing, like, to just to have those options and to have those those, those choices and, and different parts of beer to enjoy, it's, you know, it's a good time to be a drinker. That's for sure. That's for sure. There are a <laughs> lot of options out there. And, and again, mid-40s, I think, will hit by the end of this year. Uh, so Easily, I think. Um, most communities are, are getting a brewery of their own at this point or have a place within a 10- or 15-minute drive. Like you said, a few years back, you're going to over the Rhine right. to go to a brewery. It's just the reality, uh, but, you know. You know, when, when I started drinking craft beer, it was, you know, you had Barrel House that was on its last legs. You had... You know, Hofbrau, you had, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mount Carmel. Yeah. And it was pretty much it. You know, Rivertown came on soon after. and But that was that was all there was. Like, you, you had these places, and maybe you went there, you know, but more, more than likely you grabbed the beer somewhere else and mm-hmm. enjoyed it at home or whatever that may be. Just this, this tap room culture that, um, I don't know, that I, that I, I like to be a part of and I like to experience and... You know, like my family loves experiencing too. You know, like it's just this new thing and it's exciting and yeah. it's fun to watch. It is new. I uh, was talking to a coworker and he went to Rheingeist for the first time and he came back on Monday and kind of reported back in and told me what he thought. And he was like, I, I couldn't believe the variety of people. Right. You know, the demographics. He said there's families there. There was people in their early 20s that were, you know, just meeting friends there. There was everyone there in that tap room. It really, in my opinion, you know, spans all demographics and, and really embraces anyone. There's, you know? And there's not a lot of businesses and not a lot of things, you know, experiences like that that really do capture that big of a span of, of the population the way beer does. You know, you don't, you don't see that at a winery. You don't see that at certainly not a, 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 a distillery or a typical bar, you know, something like that where mm-hmm. there's, there's liquor, you know, it's, it just – there's something about beer that just kind of captures that that perfect little place and then you throw the taproom culture into that which i think is wholly different than beer itself mm-hmm. um you know when my wife was pregnant she still loved to go to certain breweries because there was root beer you know yeah. like it was just <laughs> good root beer to too. still have the atmosphere and drink the root beer was a whole separate thing you know there's 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 something about a taproom that 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 adds to the whole experience yeah i always joke around that my 7 year old has asked to have his birthday party at Rivertown and you know it makes sense to me part of me is a parent like, games. like whoa, whoa but yeah i mean he goes there because it's right. free video games he can play video games for an hour straight and to not have to ask your parents for more quarters <laughs> no more quarters right <laughs> and again they have root beer craft root beer right. um that he can enjoy while he's there and you know now they have the full restaurant there with the brew pub you know it is it's a great culture it's a great environment for for a, even a family yeah so Shifting gears a little bit, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, bottle releases, can releases, all this stuff that's happening. Um, what have you been snagging at the local tap rooms, at the local local bottle shops lately that you've been excited about? Because there's, I feel like I'm getting a new bottle like every day for the last six months, it seems. <laughs> it, it, there's too much to keep up with, <laughs> well, that is for sure. I could, I could keep myself really busy just between Braxton and Urban Artifact right now with how many things they're both putting out. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Uh, you know, Braxton, we talk about them. Uh, they're two years yeah, into things yeah, at this point. Yeah, a little over two years. And they started out the beginning of this year just on fire. You know, multiple cam releases. Uh, their Graders beer got nationwide press. Did, did you press. like that? If you, 
thing, you know. Yeah. You know, what What I loved about it was it, it was purely Cincinnati. Right. And it, there was na- nationwide press about this beer because people love ice cream. People love beer. And the idea of bringing them together, the branding was spot on. Um, there was... I've never seen a more polarizing beer come out of Cincinnati yeah. as that beer was. There's some people that absolutely loved it, which I loved the beer. I thought... Thought it was a fantastic stout. I thought that it was it had that creaminess to it, that nice roastiness, and then now their description says it has a lot of raspberry up front. I didn't get a lot up front, but I thought it was perfect where it was. So like I I'm on one end of the spectrum, and then you had those people that just this is terrible, this is a horrible beer. So it's like this weird polarizing thing. You didn't get a lot of people yeah. in the middle. It was just these two ends. It was polarizing. I wanted more raspberry. I think anytime you say this beer tastes like ice cream, or at least you convince people that it's going to taste like ice cream, it's going to be a little hard to sell once they taste it because it's still going to taste like a stout. Right. Right. So I think everyone had to maybe check their, uh, um, their opinion a little bit because it is still beer. You know, you can't make this taste like melted ice cream. Well, you could. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a, you know, what is that one? The, uh, there's a the a Neapolitan. Oh yeah, by uh, like Sagatuck. Sagatuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is terrible, <laughs> but it does kind of taste like melted ice cream. Yeah. Now, um, Mount Carmel did an ice cream stout. I think it was last summer or something like that. That kind of the same idea, you know, tasted like Neapolitan ice cream, but I loved it. It it really it, it tasted artificial, like that 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 weird artificial strawberry yeah. flavor. It was that, that was those perfect flavors that you recognize when you think of. Neapolitan ice cream. So you can make a take. It tastes like ice cream, yeah. but I don't yeah. think that's what they were going and, for and, and, <laughs> at Braxton. Like the second tuck, I believe they use artificial flavoring. Braxton didn't. They went to graders and they partnered with them and they used the same ingredients. So I think there was a lot of integrity in that oh, beer yeah. as well. So whether you liked it or not, I think they did what they set out to do. And not everyone's going to like the beer. And the turnout for that release was insane. It, it, absolutely insane. I think so I think success. Them off guard too. <laughs> yeah, I think success as far as they're concerned. And they're doing some other great stuff. Haven, their Hefeweizen is really, really good. So, you know, not every beer is going to make everyone happy. But if you try enough of a brewery's beers, you're going to find well, something that you like. If, if you look at some of these places, you know, we'll keep using Braxton as the example, but... You know, just this range of their portfolio. You've got these super traditional, the German Hefeweizen versus the ice cream milk stout versus you know the 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 the, the English bitter in 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 uh, nineteen fifty seven to mm-hmm. this big citrusy IPA with revamp. Like they just have all these these different bases covered, and that's true with a lot of tap rooms. And then you've got the other end where you've got places like Urban Artifact that just say, "Here's what we do. It's weird." Yeah. You might not like it when you first come in, but just give us a minute and mm-hmm. we'll kind of talk about it and we'll, we'll get you into this. Yeah. And it, it, like it's, it's fun to, again, you know, talking about that, that difference in those different types of tap rooms and those different types of breweries. It's fun. It's, it is fun. It's exciting. Urban Artifact is funky in every way uh, from their tap room. I like, I like <clears throat> calling them weird. They're oh, weird. weird. Yeah, they're weird. <laughs> and I, I like it. I like wild ales. Um, Gadget. I see. I like the fruitier wild ales. Like Gadget was really mm-hmm. good. The jelly uh, filled donut beer they mm-hmm. did last year was insane. Um, but even, I mean, you take any normal style, and they make it weird. You go in there and you order a brown ale, and it's gonna taste kind of like a brown ale. But there there's is something there's else something there. else there, and you're like, 
I don't know if I like it or not. And then you have, you know, a half of a glass and you decide, yeah, this is really good. It was intentional. They knew what they were doing. Uh, they want to be different and they're standing out from the crowd, which when there's 40 plus breweries in a city, you have to stand out. Um, well, the, the pickle beer. I mean, like, yes. it, it, there's there's enough that you could say about that. I wish I had. I'm trying to pull something up really quick here while we're talking about Urban Artifact and them being weird because they are <laughs> the ideas that they come up with that um, don't see the light of day. <laughs> I can only imagine. Are the, are the funny ones. Um, so I did a show with, um, with Scotty and, uh, and Brett one night over at Cappy's, they were doing a, um, uh, like a tap to, I guess it was a tap taker, but like a pint night there. They had a couple on, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. He was talking about, man, I don't think I've got it here. He, um, <laughs> this is a funny one. <laughs> if I can pull it up here, see how loud this is. Meat beers are hard in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the one I was looking was that for. Meat beers? Meat beers. <laughs> I would say meat beers are uh, pretty difficult to sell. <laughs> meat beers are hard in general. Maybe they're hard to make too. No, that he he spent a long time, and I don't know if this was actually during the show or not. Maybe that's why I don't have the clip of it, but. Um, talking about this idea about a um, um, bones, bones and something else, yeah. and they wanted to put it in there, and they wanted to use human bones, and they couldn't use human bones. So they, <laughs> yeah, they were trying to source <laughs> other types of <laughs> trying bones. to find other. Yeah, and they were. It was because it was going to be a Halloween themed beer, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Something, and I, and I, I wish I had it here. Oh, it's going to kill me now. This is what happens when I don't prepare beforehand i guess i didn't get my meat beer and bone <laughs> beers and um but everything they do is weird and something with bone in it that qualifies <laughs> so yeah i mean like if you even think about making a beer out of human bones you're pretty weird you're pretty weird <laughs> i mean like you think pickle is weird right and then he says he's gonna make a beer out of bones uh, and you're like okay no that's weird i'll drink the pickle beer first. and i think his concern was well it has to taste really bony like you have to taste bone <laughs> like just these conversations that that have to go on when they're sitting around cutting hundreds and you know pounds of pineapples or something because again they use all this fresh fruit and everything mm. which again is is kind of weird i get it and it's definitely you know, we all benefit from that it's, it tastes fantastic but that's a lot of work, and that's not mm. maybe the 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 quote unquote smart way to do it. If you, I guess smart's not the right word. The the, the most efficient, efficient, way cost effective, or profitable um, way to do it. But that's the way they do it. So they, you know, they'll set up these little tables, and it's you know them just sitting in the in the really hot brewery, just cutting up fruit. And I imagine they get some weird conversations going on when they do that. So it's probably where bone beers are born. Yeah, I think so. And pickle beers, you know. Pickle beers. Could we do this? Would this work? <laughs> and the pickle beer is really good. It's one of my favorite if beers. If you like pickles, you right. better like pickles. If you don't like pickles, stay away from it. Right. I've never had it, but I think it would be perfect with a cheeseburger. It is like, fantastic with a cheeseburger. Like, pair that with a cheeseburger and, and you're done. They did a uh, spicy pickle variant on it, too. Oh, nice. That was amazing. Now they did one kimchi pickles, and it was, I couldn't do that. It was a little too, <laughs> a little, a little little too, too much. much for me. It was... Just way too funky. There yeah. was there was this weird funk going on that I couldn't handle. But 
Um, let's take another break because we're at an hour already. So um, let's take another break. Come back. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about Craft Beer Joe and the website and, mm. and kind of what you're doing. Let's because do I was told that he'll never last. was a direct quote from one of our brother in here and we will name names but you know who you are i don't think he listens to the show we'll be back since he brewcast the voice of scentsy craft you know there's no need to be up tight beer beer is about having fun the dream the dream is definitely the fact that we went from home in a garage to where we are today right that is that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hey everybody, we're brought to you by Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. Brewer's Buddy is the latest homebrewing system on the market. It's a patent-pending, gravity-fed, beer homebrewing platform made affordable for anyone who loves the craft of brewing beer. It's versatile, durable, affordable, and it's safe. You can follow them at Brewer's Buddy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find out more about them at BrewersBuddy.com. Make sure you pre-order now at www.brewersbuddy.com. Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Admissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Brewcast, the voice of Sense of Craft. Um, so during the break, I ran over to check uh, Facebook. Um, so Andy, yes, it is me that's off frame. I still, it amazes me how many people haven't figured this out yet that I just, I'm never in the frame. I'm, I'm always off camera. I guess that can change here in the near future, but um, Facebook was wondering why there was only one person, but they were hearing <laughs> two voices. Um, one of us is hidden. That's right. It's secrets. Semi-anonymous. The I'm synonymous with anonymous. Whatever you, you know. I guess we should explain that at the top of every show. But oh, we'll figure it out. I'll get maybe, this. maybe I'll describe what you look like. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> this like just, a police just lineup? Hold hold one of the gnomes up that are sitting around. And <laughs> there's gnomes everywhere. So if you don't like gnomes, don't come to the tavern. Oh, it's creepy at night if you come down here. To <laughs> it's kind of stare at you. Um. I need to figure that one of these days I'm going to figure out this whole podcasting thing and figure out a way to make everything make sense for people. But I don't know, maybe, maybe by show 200 <laughs> or something. I wonder which, how many shows this is. I don't know. I should keep track of those numbers. I probably do and don't even realize it somewhere. 
I'm sure there's a number. I don't know. Number of files. Yeah. So, Crafter Joe, again, yeah. thanks for being on the show. Um, tell people about you. Why do you blog? You. So you kind of have this this other kind of weird, not not necessarily weird, but <laughs> this this other inlet to blogging that has been very different than I guess other people. I guess there's there's been some different waves of what blogging is in Cincinnati, but um, you know I just kind of popped onto it. You know, I was, I was a drinker and wasn't, didn't really have an online presence as a beer drinker. Whereas you have this other different inlet, you kind of had a good social media thing going on. And then the blog came afterwards, you know, you know, why, why that approach was it, was it thought out? Did it just happen? You know, just you know, tell people a little <laughs> about you and kind of your road to all of this. Yeah. com. I'm assuming yeah. by the way. Yeah. I think yeah. What, yeah. Everyone should go there. Market. Uh, check it out. Um, it's kind of crazy. So I think also where I'm a little bit different is I'm really new to craft beer and I don't know if that's good or it's bad, but it is what it is. So I've been doing craft beer for drinking craft beer for a few years now, a couple of years. So we're, we're all pretty new to it though. That's yeah. The fun but part but there are it. some people that have been home brewing for decades or, you know, at least people were maybe into beer and into imports or different things. Really craft beer really kind of snuck up on me. I would say, um, and then those, those nights where it sneaks up on me too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after a podcast. With this growler of a several, I think that's going to be tonight. <laughs> but, you know, I found this this niche of craft beer and I really liked what I was drinking and I liked what I was trying. And I had a, a really good friend, a co-worker, a craft beer Ray. I kind of stole his uh, naming convention there. He's on all the social medias as well. He was a co-worker of mine for a while. He was big into craft beer, and he kind of opened up my eyes to trying new beers and getting outside of my comfort zone because really, I'd say darker beers were kind of my thing, porters, stouts, things like that. And he kind of opened up my eyes like, hey, you need to try more things. You need to go visit more places. And, and he was like, craft beer really is happening on Instagram. That was kind of his viewpoint. Like Instagram was really where things were at. And I was like, you know what? Let's create an account. Let's just kind of do a diary, a log of what I'm drinking and kind of what I'm thinking. And, and it was really a way for me to learn about it because right. I could see what other people were posting, what they were saying, what they were trying and kind of see if I could find the same beer. And, and it didn't, the more you interact, the more you kind of get involved in it. And before you know, it, I had a, I had a decent little following there and, and I thought, well, this is fun, but what's next? You know, what else right. can we do? What else would be fun for me to, to get involved in? And, and, the great thing about social media is you get to meet a lot of people. The bad thing is you don't really get to say a whole lot. You know, you, you have 140 characters on Twitter. You can write a lot more on Instagram, but it's just a caption, you know? So I thought, you know what? I've always enjoyed writing. Why not write about beer as a way, honestly, for me to learn about it and just kind of express some opinions and kind of throw things out there and, and see and see what's out there. Um, I always thought it would be fun to kind of have a website and kind of see the inner workings of what right. a website looked like. So it all seemed like kind of a perfect storm. So I'd say about this time last year, I started thinking about it. And like anything, it takes you six months to a year <laughs> before you really get serious <laughs> about it. So finally in the fall, I said, you know, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to get a domain. I'm going to start up a, a website and just kind of see where it goes. So I'd say more or less the beginning of this year is when I kind of really got serious about it and started posting it and, and writing. And it's been a lot of fun. And my whole thing, from the very beginning was there's thousands of beer blogs out there. There are many here locally 
you know, gnarly gnome being one of them. Right. And, and so th- there's a, there's a lot of content gnarly out there. And drinking with the gnome. I've got two. You have two sites. <laughs> so you have twice as much exposure as I have. There's a lot already out there. So how do you be relevant? How are you maybe different? And I really had to think about that because I, if I just read your articles and rewrote them, <laughs> no, no one's going to care. And I still don't know if anyone cares at this point. But my whole thing was, well... I, what, I, what I like about craft beer is the community and how it's all tied back to people in the end. Right. Um, I'm married. I have three kids. I don't have the ability to be at every event. I don't have the ability to go meet everybody. But I do have the ability to write about what's going on. And, and that was kind of where I wanted to be. I wanted to write about what was going on. I wanted to write about it in a way that was relatable no matter where you were, but was even more relatable if you were right here in Cincinnati. Right. So... Yes, I would say I'm a local blog, beer blog, but not specifically local. Because, I mean, a lot of my stuff, are, I wrote about New England IPAs. Yeah, I might but reference even Listerman, but... The way that I, from what I've seen so far, the way you write, even if it is something that's very local-centric, it's a bigger picture of of what craft beer is to you and to a lot of people across the country, you know, it's, it's, if you change the names of the breweries, change the names of the beers, it's, it's very much the thing that's happening in Boise or whatever. You know, I don't know how many breweries are, well, <laughs> they might not have any, <laughs> but surely they do, right? Yeah, surely. There's at least a few, but, but that was kind of my thought. And I'm hoping what I'm writing about is relatable in those other areas. I really don't know. I've never been to Boise, but I think it's happening there. Right. I traveled enough. Uh, my job kind of sent me here or there every once in a while. And everywhere I go, I'm like, well, Charlotte has a great craft beer scene. Go to Miami. Oh, man, there's a lot of great right. craft beer in Miami. So I think what we're seeing in Cincinnati is a mirror image of what's happening in most middle or mid-sized to large cities. Right. So what you're telling me is it just kind of happened. <laughs> kind of just happened. <laughs> just happened. That's. Yeah. I think that's kind of the way it worked for me, too. And I think that's kind of what's fun about this this new wave of bloggers which i put myself into you know I'm, i've I haven't been around for that long and it you know it's just we were we were drinkers and started blogging and things were exploding around that already and it just you know it just kind of worked and um i think it's fun i like hearing all the different voices from people you know you and and raging hop and these people that are excited about it you know there was when i came into blogging there was a lot of bloggers but they were all worn out they they didn't enjoy it you know mm-hmm. you, they just didn't and, and I'm, I'm probably speaking out of turn i'll probably get yelled at by a couple of them and in very mean ways because they were mean to you know when i started up it was there was a lot of grumpy people you know and it um it's it's this new wave is very different and, and refreshing and um well i appreciate yeah. having it yeah no i think it's good um the people I've met have been very <laughs> receptive to it. I guess there's a few people that aren't, um, which is fine. But, you know, my whole thing is I don't want to do what other people are doing because they're already there. They're doing it like your site is great. If you want if you want to know about a brewery, go to Gnarly Gnome because there's a, there's a map there. You have all the details there. I'm not going to put that, that takes up. takes a lot of time to keep I'm up sure. with. Sure. Oh, I bet it does. <laughs> Hey, I don't want to Nobody take the time. Nobody appreciates that, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to take the time. And I'm not going to redo all that work that you've already done because it doesn't add any value to anyone because everyone knows where to go to get that information. They go to your site. So I, I think everyone has their own voice. I think everyone has their own purpose. And um, I'm just trying to figure out where, 
where I fit into that at this point within the, the Cincinnati boundaries. And there's a lot of breweries I don't know. There's a lot of people I'm trying to reach out and, and get to know so I can maybe have a little more influence. Uh, well, and that's the city, like with, but. with 40 breweries in Cincinnati, like there's, there are so many people and so many stories and so many things to be talked about. There's not, you could take 10 bloggers and you couldn't keep up with everything that's happening. Not just, you know, what the latest releases, you know, I write about, you know, label approvals and, and bottle releases and things like that just out of necessity because there's not enough people to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, there are so many things, just little things happening in Cincinnati from, you know, from the, the owners of breweries down to just the, uh, you walk into any tap room and walk up to a bartender and start talking to them. And there's a craft beer story there that there is, is fascinating, that is fun to talk about and fun to, to explore, you know, and, we need more people to, to tell those stories. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, like I said, I enjoy it very much and I'm, I'm happy to hear more and more voices. And if you're somebody that's sitting here listening to the show, that's kind of toyed around with the idea of starting a blog, just start it, just start writing and you'll find your spot that there's plenty of room for everybody. So there is, um, what do you have on the horizon? What do you, what do you want to write about that you haven't yet that you just keep, you know, one of the things, one of the things I love is social media. So I'm on, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and Pinterest and all the social media platforms. I and Pinterest. I, I hate it so much. I, I don't know Pinterest. It so just doesn't make sense that. to me. <laughs> I, I don't understand Pinterest, but I'm uh, maybe someday. But I really love social media. I always have. And I want to get more uh, into writing about what social media means to craft beer. Because it's huge. It really is. I mean, the companies that do social media well seem to do very well in selling their beer right um uh, you know and i would put people like street side and braxton that we've talked about in that category i mean ryan geist and madtree had great marketing programs when they started out so i think marketing is really important to this new wave of craft beer uh, companies that are out there and i want to kind of learn how they're using them and how they're being effective uh, one thing i brought up as far as like facebook events uh, you know, everyone's clicking that interested button right. on there. And all of a sudden you see there's thousands of people interested in going to an event. How many people are really showing up? Right. Because in my, in my estimation, when I look at Braxton and Listerman and Madtree, when they post those events, it's double or triple that are showing up to the event that are actually saying that they're going or interested. Right. So it's amazing um, how social media is playing into the whole idea of uh, the excitement behind craft beer. So I want to do some more stuff like that. Um, I want to get into a few more tap rooms and kind of learn their uh, backstories and, and not to retell stories that have already been told, but again, tell them in ways that are relatable to everyone, right. whether you're in Cincinnati or not. Well, and, and I think the story changes very much depending on who you are when you're talking to that person. You know, I, as long as you spend the time there and can really talk to them, you know, it's, it's really easy, especially when somebody's, just opening their doors to walk in and you get the marketing spiel and you get, here's who we are. This is what we've laid out on paper. This is it. This is, this is our, this is our story. But then you spend a couple weeks there. You have a few beers there. You, you start to get this other picture of, of the whole thing, the, you know, the real story behind it and to be able to tell that and to be able to kind of get people in on that a little bit is, is what makes it, um, what makes it that that other little thing that gets people to fall in love with craft beer you know mm-hmm. it's it's one thing to be able to walk into a bottle shop and pick up a beer off a shelf and know the marketing thing you know you know we all know who who Madry is we all know who Braxton is we all know who Rheingeist is on paper but to really 
dig into it and to figure out who they are, that's a whole nother thing that really gets people to latch onto a brand in a different way, gets people to love a brewery instead of just drinking the beer. You know, it's, it's, it's very different and it's, they're stories and they're fun to, they're fun to read and they're fun to tell. They are. What else? <laughs> yeah, what else? What else? Um, I'm going to figure out Pinterest, um, yeah. and I'll let you know how that goes, but I don't I, have any hope for that. I'm on there, but I just I just can't figure out if it makes any sense. I, I guess I get some traffic from it, but yeah. I, mean, it just, I, don't know, I don't know who those people are. Like, I don't know, and granted, I, I guess I shouldn't say it, but I, I don't know any craft beer drinker that's going on Pinterest to learn about craft beer, but I mean, I guess they have to be, right? Yeah, you know... What I know of Pinterest is it's a great place to find recipes and uh, kind of how-tos. And for what we do, I don't know if there's really a whole lot of just, tie in there. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I think there are people looking up, you know, uh, infographics are really big on Pinterest. So people are looking stuff up on there. I don't know if bloggers go there or not. Um, what about Snapchat? I've not done Snapchat yet. Yeah, I can't figure that one out yeah. either. Yeah, makes me feel old. I know I'm not old, but <laughs> old it enough. makes me feel like it. Old I just, enough. I not just to can't figure it. out how to work it. I can't figure out like why you wouldn't just send something like on Twitter or send yeah. a text message or whatever <laughs> that thing is. Like I just I don't understand what makes it different. <laughs> exactly, and there are a lot of platforms, and I think that's you know for any company, um, whether you're you know, just a personal blogger or a large brewery or any company there. I think we're all trying to figure out this social media thing. Um, you know, my favorite's Instagram by far. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, probably followed my Twitter. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I want to hate Facebook, but there's a lot of <laughs> good things that happen there. So well, it, I can't hate on it too much. It's, it's very easy to love the Facebook idea and the platform and to hate Facebook. <laughs> and I think that's the that's Twitter. Right where I'm at. And to me with Twitter, I love Twitter. Again, the idea. But there's just so much crap on there that you have to wade through to get to the good stuff that mm-hmm. um, that becomes a bit much every once in a while. And, you know, Instagram is, it, you just, it, it, I think it gets watered down, your comments on stuff. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to talk. Like you said, it's, yes. it's hard to, it's hard to say something. So they, they all have like these, these, things that work for them and these things that just don't work at all. Like yeah, and that's where podcasting is great because you're in somebody's ear for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour and a half. You yeah. Know? How long are you guys listening? To? Are people still <laughs> listening to the show? Like I always wonder that too. Like do people listen for like five minutes and then just, you know, delete it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I listen to the whole thing. There's, but... there's no way for me to track that. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So that's why I just try to hit a couple different things. I try to, to write things and I try to say things. And, <laughs> and for everybody that's still on Facebook, I, yeah. we, we can, I guess you can see things, but I don't know if there's much to see except our... Just me sipping on this uh, sabra. Um, so I had something else I was going to ask you about and I just forgot it. Um, where do you see craft beer in Cincinnati going? And I know you said you're, you're new to craft beer, but I think that's a cop-out. I think that... yeah. You know, um, I guess I'll, two things that I think I'm going to lay out as predictions. Uh, one is, and I'm, I'm writing about this right now, I don't think we're anywhere close to a craft beer bubble. A lot of people think, oh, there's over 5,000 breweries nationwide where we've got to slow down. I think there's going to be a slowdown, but what I think you're going to see is a lot more unique places and a lot smaller breweries opening up. So, yeah, 40-some breweries in Cincinnati seems like a lot. Um, 
I think we can have 60 to 80 and still sustain all of them. They can't be a mad tree. Right. They can't be a river town. Um, they need to be a street side. They need to be a brink. They need to be a darkness. They need to be all of these other places that fill in these neighborhood gaps where they're just doing things out of passion because they care about craft beer and they care about people. Um, so I think that's one thing. That, that's where one of the areas that I see craft beer growing is we're going to keep adding a lot more smaller breweries, but I don't think the number of barrels of beer that we put out are going to keep growing at a super high rate. I think it's gonna, that's going to slow down a little bit, but it's going to be good because these really large craft beer companies, Stone, Sam Adams, Great Lakes, whoever you want to put in that category, I think they're going to struggle a little bit to continue to grow their number. I think they would all agree with you. Because all of, all of that, I think, is, is moving down the line a little bit to these local places. That, that market share is shifting, and, uh, and I think it's a good shift. Um, they're big, and they're powerful, and they're going to find a way to sell their beer. But when it shifts down to the local people, I think it's good for us. Um, and it, it sustains these smaller companies that are good for the community. That's why it still blows my mind. And especially, in a, you know, obviously we're a little, uh, you know, jaded or not jaded. You know, we're, we're our opinion is very, um, we, we've got blinders onto a Cincinnati kind of yeah. outlook on things. And with Sam Adams, obviously, there's a whole lot of Sam Adams beer being made in Cincinnati. Yes. And it blows my mind that they still, for some reason, drag their feet into opening some kind of tap room or brew oh pub or something in Cincinnati. And yeah. I, I've gotten a few different answers of why that is, but it, like to me, that's the future of a big brewery. Is you know kind of that that '90s model of kind of some chain brew pub kind of thing. Like if you're Stone and you open up a little brew pub in a good beer city. It's going to do well. It's going to do really well. As long as you, mm-hmm. you know, you're opening a restaurant, you're running a restaurant. But yeah. if you're Sam Adams, it, why wouldn't you open it in Cincinnati? People would go there. Would. I would go <laughs> there. I mean, and, and you put it you put it on Fountain Square. You put it down at the banks. You put it in Newport. Just you put it a block away from the brewery. And it, you can it, it would and look out. out the window and you say, look, that's a Sam Adams brewery right yeah. there. Yep. That brewery makes more beer than any other place in Cincinnati does. And yeah. that's that, that's something to hang your hat on and something to be proud of. And mm-hmm. I, I, they are proud of that fact, but they just haven't capitalized on it. I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, a focus where they just don't have the focus in that direction or they don't feel like the profitability <laughs> would be viable. But what it does is, regardless of how profitable that tap room is, it makes them part of the city. Right. It makes them part of the community. It, and it sells more beer at Kroger's because you're that's there. The, that's the thing. Like if I if I walk into a a bottle shop, whatever it is, there are very few times that I'm gonna grab a six pack of Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be something that I'm really curious about for get, to get me to grab it. But if they all of a sudden become a local brewery, that changes the game completely. If that stories, you know, you talk about those people and you talk about the, that, that tie to it. It just, it, it shifts the whole game and why these big places don't understand that. That's a little confusing, right? It doesn't make sense to me, but no, no. Another thing I see happening and it's already started to happen. And there was rumors the last couple of years about it, especially last year, loggers. We're going to see a lot of (laughs) loggers going forward. And it makes sense. I'm not a huge logger fan. I know we, we've talked about it. I think you're more of a logger I fan than loggers. I am. Um, but it makes sense. And Ryan Geis is kind of getting some pushback right now because of hustle. I, I, wh- I'm a little mad about I'm t- it. I'm torn about it, though. So, so 
I loved the old hustle. Number one, I loved the can. It was one of my favorite can, my favorite can, Ryan Geist can by far. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite cans in Cincinnati. Loved the beer, and they just threw it away and replaced it with another beer. That's really good. I haven't had it yet. <laughs> I have. Like, I have some, but I haven't had it but, yet. But it's really good, and yet every time I take a sip of it, all I think about was the other beer and how yeah. they scrapped it. And it, that shouldn't be like you should. I should be able to appreciate what this beer is because mm-hmm. it's it's a great beer. It's a great red lager. The can's a little boring, but you know it fits their branding. And the old beer, the rye. I love rye beers, so that was amazing. You know, one of my favorite beers that they put out last year. Right. But I get where they're going. And where they're going is uh, what craft beer makes up 12.3% market share by production. The The rest of the market share are American loggers. Well, and, and, and they know that. And I think what's really smart is to make more loggers and to get these non-craft beer people to realize that the beer that they've loved for decades is available in a craft beer format. Right. Uh, Warped Wing did it with their Trotwood beer, which has been hugely successful for them. And I think you're going to see a lot of Cincinnati breweries kind of latch onto that yeah. as well. And Twist it's good. a bit from Braxton's yeah. kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Which, isn't that one of their... Isn't that considered a core style I now? believe so. Mm-hmm. But it's not in a can. It's not canned yet. That, ooh, that's yet? Do you know something? Well, I don't. I don't know anything because I, I was I was hinting they're, they're, at it, but they're, they're canning everything. So anything they make, I'm assuming is coming it's, in a can. If you point. go, to, I'm going to get in trouble because I know they listen to this show sometimes. If you go to their website and you look at, um, you know, you click on beers and you go to kind of their list. So they've got, you know, the 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 core page and they have like their their seasonal page, and you click on it, and on the core page, the pictures that pop up are all of their cans, and then. There's twisted bit and it's just this random <laughs> just logo, logo. <laughs> and it doesn't really fit in. You're like, well, that, that that seems weird. That stands out. And you're like, all right, whatever. And you click on the seasonals, and all the seasonals pop up, and it's these really nice pictures of cans, <laughs> except their summer seasonal, which is the uh, summer trip, mm. and it's just this random weird logo. And yeah. that doesn't fit in either. Yeah. So I just thought I just think that's weird, but not that I know anything, not that I've seen anything, not that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think it's coming, and and I think a lot of these brewers are recognizing that loggers are an important you know, category for them to get into, um, you know, you're, you're at a Reds game, you know, well, and maybe a rye thing. pale ale is just a little too that's strong. Like, I would never drink the old hustle at a Reds game. And so I, I get that side of it, but man, you could have two baseball beers and just have one served there and one not, you know, like I just, it was such a brilliant can. Too. Yeah, it was a great can. <laughs> so, Ryan guys, they don't listen to the show. I guess there could be somebody there that does, but they, they don't. They have they don't. like 200 employees, so hopefully yeah. at least one of them. Nah, I don't think they do. They don't like <laughs> me very much. <laughs> but, I mean, th- those are the things that I see happening. I th- a lot more small breweries, which is good. Um, I think a lot more loggers are on our on the horizon so i think that's good so for introducing people to craft jumping back topics a little bit just yeah. um the baseball theme so yeah and small burgers i guess i can tie it into what you were just saying um have you seen pictures of dogberry's new bar i have uh, with the, yeah. the, the the baseball stitching yeah um so one of the owners tony was was a huge baseball player when he was he was younger he's a little old now he does listen to the show so he <laughs> may get mad about that too but um uh the bar has baseball stitching inlaid in the wood it's it's fantastic and i can't wait to see their their new space so. yeah when is that 
That's soon, right? Uh, very soon. Um, I don't know a date or anything yet, but uh, very soon. They Last weekend, they said, this may be our last weekend. And this weekend, they're saying, this may be. <laughs> so I don't think they know either. That could go on for a month. Yeah, they, yeah, they could. <laughs> so they are, they are really close, but um, I have gotten a couple sneak peeks at the new space, and it's fantastic and just completely flips the script of what Dogberry... Well, I shouldn't say that because it's still very much Dogberry, but just bigger and better and shinier. Yeah. I think they deserved a better space. Um, they were doing good things up there. They had a great following or they do have a great following up there. Um, that whole community has embraced them. It's really the only place close by for a lot of people in the Westchester area. And now it's bigger, better and bigger equipment, more beer. You know, that's, that's one of the places that I frequent a lot because it's, it's one of the closest to me, but, um, the last time we were up there, we we took the the baby. So I, you know, people, I don't know if you guys, I, I have a baby. I don't know. So, <laughs> so she's a couple. Well, she's like seven weeks old. And so we've been kind of making the rounds a little bit, getting her out to tap rooms. And we were at Dogberry a couple of weeks ago, and we got in and we got our beers. And I was sitting there, and one of the other people that's there a lot, she was sitting at the bar and she was drinking a Coke or something. I said, you know, what are you doing? And she's like, well, you know, I can't drink. And I said, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, you know, we're having a baby too. And I said, oh, you know, congratulations. I don't, I'm not going to call her out cause I don't think she's telling people yet, but, um, I was like, oh, congratulations. And I said, so you're still at the brewery, even though you can't drink. And, and mind you, she was, she just showed up after work for about an hour or so to eat her, her dinner and stuff. You know, and she's like, yeah, I just, you know, this is, this is where I come after, you know, on the, on this day. So, so I just kept coming. <laughs> and, so, and that, that's what taproom culture is about. It's about this other thing and this this neighborhood space and the people that you these are your people. These are who you you have this routine and these people that you see and you talk to and um I just I, I wish that non craft beer drinkers that haven't been to a tap room could get that and mm-hmm. and see that other thing that it does. So I don't know, hopefully we can change that a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, it I think it'll happen and I think places um Honestly, like a river town could help. Oh yeah, change that because it, it, it's a restaurant. It, my mom just likes as much to go as there. My mom's yeah. not a beer drinker. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, again, there's a tap room for everyone. Even a non-drinker can go to Rivertown, enjoy a really good meal, have a great time, and never drink beer. Right. So what? We should probably start wrapping it up. But if you could say one thing that breweries in Cincinnati are doing wrong. You know, not calling anybody out, just, you know, generalized things. Is there anything? Hmm. That's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> loaded question. Things that people are doing wrong. And it, it, as, it, as a whole, just it, the Sentai Brewery. It well, may go back to the social media stuff, or, you know, it can be as general, or, you know, it, it's, it's you know, I'm not trying to get you to call anybody out, but. You know, everyone is growing so quickly right now. And I think that's a reality uh, in Cincinnati. And again, probably a reality in other cities as well. But these brewers are growing really fast. You know, they're expanding. Even the ones that aren't getting new facilities are increasing production right. or realizing their production isn't adequate. They're canning or bottling at faster rates than they probably realized they could when they first opened. Um, what I don't see a whole lot of right now is collaboration. You know, that's, that's everyone's great. kind of focused in on themselves and rightfully so, they're growing so fast they have to, but you're not seeing a whole lot of collaboration. I know uh, past years, the Cincinnati Beer Week, they did the collaboration beers, and it seems like that maybe has been a struggle mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Again, people are growing too fast, or maybe so fast that it's been a little bit harder to really get together and collaborate. So 
I think that's one area that would be a lot of fun to start seeing some more collaboration beers. And you know, I don't know exactly what Quaff Brothers is going to look like in the mm, coming years. Yeah. Um, I know that Quaff Brothers is still going to be around. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Danny knows what it's going to look like either. But in my head, it's only going to turn into this bigger collaborative project that happens around town. Um, I have really th- cool things in my head that I, that it could be, I mean, it, it could turn into, but um, to me, I hope that it, it becomes way bigger and is that, that, that catalyst to kind of get people to some kind of central hub to, um, to coexist in some bigger picture. Yeah. He'd be the perfect conduit because oh, yeah. he has relationships with everyone. He's not tied to anyone. Um, and he really knows how to bring people together and he knows how to make great beer. I mean, he's been doing it for years now. Uh, doing some really unique projects. Maybe that's exactly what we need is for him to start pairing some of these breweries up and right. um, doing some of these collaborations that I think would get people to experience things. Cause I think there's a lot of people, you know, on the East side of town that would never come out to a Fibonacci or a Dogberry right. or a Brink. But maybe if there was a collaboration beer, they'd realize, Hey, there's other breweries in this, I, in, in this I, area that I need to go visit. I did hear that at eight balls, um, their, their last beer Olympics, there might have been a deal struck up between Danny and Fibonacci to do a collaboration. So that would be you great. Might have a Fibonacci Quaff Brothers, which who the hell would have thought that that could have happened? You know, like such a yeah. tiny little brewery <laughs> can now be. You know, it, it, it's 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 fun to see that kind of stuff. Is Fibonacci the last nano brewery we have? No, uh, you know, there's there's a couple. Or you know, you got Mash Colt, which is uh, still yeah, yeah, very yeah. nano. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Quarter Barrel up in Oxford, Oxford. is still nano. Um, I have to look at the list to see, but well, uh, darkness is right on that, that nano border, you mm-hmm. know, um, paradise. Is yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I'm worried. Now I'm worried <laughs> the people I'm not going to name that yeah. are going to go, Hey, we're <laughs> nano <laughs> too, man. Yeah. You know, there's, there's still a lot of na- well, happy to brewing, you know, the place over in, uh, Anderson township that's getting ready to open up or I, mean, I guess they, they, they should be getting really close. I guess they might even have their beer sitting waiting to go. I don't know. Um, they're, they're nano. So, I mean, there's there's still a lot of nano ones around, but mm. I think Fibonacci is like the nano brewery. I feel like they have no desire to be anything other than that little tiny system that they've got there. You know, I remember talking to Bob one day and I was like, oh, you know, you, do you think you'll get bigger? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll get bigger. I might get a two barrel system one day. <laughs> so that's not really what I meant, but cool. <laughs> are you going to put it in bottles or can? But it's great to know who you are. And that's the thing. Like they have this, this, this idea of, of what they want to be. And they, man, they, they do what they do very well. And they, um, it's, it's a fun place. And she's starting some kind of zoo next door or something. I don't know. <laughs> I keep hearing rumors of that, and I keep assuming it's not right. It's not really a zoo, but um, she's got bees now, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think she's mentioned goats. I'm, I've heard goats. Um, I, I feel like I've heard her say goats, but it could just be me now. Like, I've said goats so many times that it might just be me <laughs> saying goats, so she might not actually get goats, and it just might be me saying she should get goats. I don't even know. Well, I, ca- I kind of want goats now. So. Yeah, me too, and, and, and so now you're always going to think there's going to be goats, yeah. even if there's not. <laughs> the goat breweries. <laughs> Goats and an alpaca. Yeah. Because she needs an alpaca. And now I'm going to start that one too. <laughs> um, it, there's there's so much fun stuff happening around Cincinnati. And I I always want to preach like getting out to tap rooms. And I, I don't know if anybody listens to the show that doesn't already go to tap rooms. So I don't know if it does any good. But if you're listening to the show 
and you don't go to some kind of local tap room, go to it. And I guess we could flip it and say, if you are listening to the show and you do go to tap rooms, go to a different one mm-hmm. because there, the majority of people have not been to all of them. You know, it's, it's, it's hard work to get to every single one of them, especially as they're opening up in this, you know, feverish pace that they are now. <laughs> it, so get to a place you haven't been and, and, and drink some beer. What do you want people to know? You know, I want them to kind of go out and tell their own craft beer story. I, like you, we've talked a lot tonight about the stories, you know, that everyone has their own story. So I think they everyone should go out and kind of tell their own story, uh, learn what their craft beer story is, why they're involved in it. It normally goes much further than I like the taste of beer. Right. You Normally it's more about, well, this is who introduced it to me, or this is who I drink beer with, or this is what I do when I drink beer. Um Kind of discover that for yourself because I think that's where it really becomes fun and becomes more of a lifestyle than compared to a hobby. And Absolutely. I think for most of us, it's more of a lifestyle at this point, not just a hobby. It becomes a weird uh, – it, it's hard to explain to people that haven't, you know, kind of gotten into it yet and 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 show them what it's all about. But, yeah. man, it, even people that, that are drinkers, it's, it's hard to, to put it into words what it means to you. But, you know, just, just – embrace it and figure it out and, and just roll with it and, yeah. and keep letting it grow and let it become what it can be. Cause it can be some really fun stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> it's craft beer, Joe, craftbeerjoe.com. Thank you very much for coming. Um, you are welcome back anytime. I'll definitely we're, be back. We're yes. going to be a brink depending on, or not a brink. I'm sorry. We were at brink. We're going to be at a uh, street side. This weekend, or probably a week ago, if you're, I don't know. Uh, Cincy Brewcast, where the voice of Cincy Craft. Thanks for listening. <laughs>